2022 is here, as you know. I don't know about you, but 2022 still sounds like this futuristic kind of date that, you know, when I was a kid, when I grew up in the 70s and the 80s, if you would have asked me as a six, seven, eight-year-old, what would be one of the things that is going on in 2022, I would say, surely by then there are flying cars like the Jetsons, surely. And alas, there are not. Um, 2022 is not some far-off futuristic destination, but 2022 is today. And today, as we look forward to another new year, none of us really knows what the road ahead looks like. None of us. We can't anticipate around the next curve. We can't anticipate the next hour, much less the next day, week, or month. Yes, we have plans, we have hopes, we have aspirations, but if the last two years has taught us anything, we know that plans, hopes, aspirations can fly away with no warning. And so this morning, what I want to do, my goal this morning from Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, is to arm you with something that will be helpful in 2022. I want to arm you with something that you're going to need the whole year. See, we need something more helpful than our favorite news channels. We need something more helpful than our Facebook or Twitter feeds. We need something more helpful than the polling data. We need something better than just good thoughts. We need something to help us in our good circumstances, our bad circumstances, those things that are disappointing or difficult, thrilling, shocking, even catastrophic. We need things. We need something to help us through those kinds of situations. Because none of us know what 2022 holds. So what, what could we find in Philippians chapter 4 that will strengthen, stabilize, and encourage all of us throughout this year? In a word, it's joy. Joy. Now, we don't just need joy, but we need joy in the Lord. Joy is one of those Christian virtues that seems overlooked and relevant relativized or relegated to the edges. And my goal this morning is to convince us all that we must rejoice in the Lord no matter what happens, no matter when anything happens in 2022. Now, I've got to say at the front, here at the outset, that I feel particularly weak when it comes to the whole topic of joy. I feel like that is a particular weakness for me. And I, as I stand here and preach, preach first to myself and then to all of us. So though I don't consider this an area of strength, I do believe that God's Word can be used through weak people like me via His Spirit as vulnerable preachers, even who want to grow in joy, can stand up here and call all of us to joy and to rejoice in 2022. So if, you, if you're writing, if you're, the main idea here is this, rejoice in 2022. Because our happiness is too precious a thing, May we rejoice in the Lord and in the Lord alone in 2022. Because our happiness is too precious a thing, may we rejoice in the Lord in 2022. I'll show you where I get that from. And it's from Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. It's very simple. And I'm going to read it. You can follow along with me as I read from God's Word. Just one simple verse. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let's read it again. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let's pray. 
Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts to you today. Lord, even as I bring up the topic of joy, I know that people walking in, walk in with different burdens on their back, some that I can relate to, some that I can't, some that maybe they even haven't put words to. But Lord, you know the situation, you know the status of every person in this room. And I pray that every person in this room would be able to look to you and rejoice in you in 2022. And I pray that this passage of Scripture from Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, would guide us as we enter into this new year. In your name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Two simple points. How to rejoice and when to rejoice. How to rejoice and when to rejoice. First, how to rejoice. The verse tells us very clearly, if you look at verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. See, it's important to understand that we're not called to just be happy people. We're not just called to be nice people. We're not just called to be pleasant people. All those things are true. We're all called to rejoice in the Lord as men and women and boys and girls, all of us have been created to look for and live for joy. All of us are constantly, whether we know it or not, searching for something to rejoice in. And our call from a from Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, is that we must rejoice in the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't enjoy the good things in life. We should enjoy the blessing of good food, days off, hot coffee on cold mornings, time with friends, time with grandkids. It would would be wrong not to enjoy those things. But as we enjoy those gifts, our call also is to rejoice in the Lord to rejoice in the Lord. And I hope you see that the call here is to rejoice in the Lord and not to rejoice in our current circumstances. You see the difference. Paul is not telling us to put a good face on bad circumstances or just to try to find the bright side of everything. Rather, he says, you must, we must, as Christians, rejoice in the Lord and nowhere else. You see, if we rejoice in good health, That may be fine today, but it might not always be good health that you enjoy. You can't rejoice in health. You can't rejoice in your family. Maybe it's at peace today, but it might not always be that way. You can't rejoice in your financial portfolio. Maybe it's robust today, but it might not always be so strong. You can't rejoice in your reputation. It might be good today, but it might not always be that way. But our Lord is different. He is that rock. He is the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He does not change. And so we can always rejoice in the Lord. Now, what does it mean to rejoice in the Lord? It means that we are called as Christians to remember what the Lord has done for us. Remember what we have received from the Lord. What has the Lord done for us? Well, He has loved us. Psalm 57 says, For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. 
He loves us with a love that is bigger and grander than all the starry, starry hosts in the sky. His love is big and grand. It's also infinite. Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, that the church might understand this infinite love. He says this, here's his prayer, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints, here's his prayer, that we would understand what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. See, we can rejoice in the Lord knowing that our Lord loves us like that. There is no person on the planet who can love us like that. Our Lord not only loves us, He has forgiven us. Psalm 103, verse 12 says, or verse 11, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. And also, verse 12, As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. So when we are forgiven, He does not visit upon us punishment for our past sins. Think about that. This is unlike anyone else. This is unlike any other person. How far apart is, the, is east from west? And it, it is an infinite amount. It is an infinite distance. And so we have the promise here that our sins have been removed from us. And the punishment for those sins have been removed from us, and they are set away from us. How far away is that punishment? Well, as far as the east is from the west. Now tell me that's not a reason to rejoice. Our sins are put at an infinite distance from us because of Jesus. Now tell me that's not a reason that we, can re we can't rejoice. We can not only that, but we look also to the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ. For why we will still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Notice that he died for the ungodly. He died for those who weren't looking for him. He, he didn't die for the good people. He didn't die for the, glory, the, the, the pretty people. He didn't die for the people who were, who were religious. He died for the ungodly. That's us. So he didn't wait for us to come to him. He died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, Paul goes on to say in Romans 5. Though for a good person, one, might, one would even dare to die, but God shows his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There again is reason to rejoice. We also receive good gifts from God. Everything. Think about this, Christian. Everything that you've ever experienced that is good. Everything, without exception has come from God to you. None of it has come by the, the strength of your back. None of it has come because you're smarter than other people. None of it has, has ultimately come because of any of those reasons. They have, the reasons good, thing has come, good things have come to you is because your Father in Heaven has given them to you. We, read about, we heard about that in worship, but I'll read it again from James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above 
coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. How do we rejoice in the Lord? Well, we remember what he's done and recognize that what he's done for us, because he does not change, because he is always the same, we can always rejoice. How can we rejoice in the Lord? Maybe we should ask, how can we not rejoice in a God like this? Carson, D.A. Carson said, Surely all redeemed men and women will want to rejoice in the Lord. Our sins have been forgiven. We have been declared righteous because another has borne our guilt. We have received the gift of the Spirit, the down payment of the promised inheritance that will be ours when Jesus comes again. We are children of the living God. Our threescore years and ten may be fraught with difficulty, but eternity awaits us, secured by the Son of God. We shall see Christ face to face and spend an eternity in the purest worship in consummated holiness. If we fail to respond with joy and gratitude when we are reminded of these things, it is either because we have not properly grasped the depth of the abyss of our own sinful natures and of the curse from which we have been freed by Jesus, or because we have not adequately surveyed the splendor of the heights to which we've been raised. And Christian, we have been raised. We have been raised with the Lord. This is a joy that we can have when we rejoice in the Lord. What we're doing is we're putting our happiness far removed from the reach of our circumstances. And we all have to do that. We all have to do that. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world full of disappointments and trials and hardships. We live in a world where depression and anxiety can steal over us in a moment. One day we'll live in another world where we won't have to work hard to rejoice in the Lord. It will come as second nature. But we don't live there yet. When we see Jesus face to face, no one's going to have to tell us, rejoice in him. No one's going to have to say, you should be really excited that you're seeing Jesus face to face. Nobody's going to have to do that because you're going to be really excited that you're seeing Jesus face to face. It will be the best day you've ever had. And no one's going to have to give you instructions on how to be excited. But here, now, today, in 2022, we do. We need those kinds of commands and instructions. So how do we rejoice? Two ways I'll mention. There are a lot. First, read your Bible and look for reasons to rejoice. That's what I do. So I find that what I need to do when I read my Bible in the morning is pick something up out of the scriptures that I read and remind myself this is a reason I can rejoice in the Lord. I have to do that every day. And usually I have to do that, what, it doesn't hold for more than a day, so I have to do it again the next day. And so, for example, today in our Bible reading plan, in January, on January 9th, we read Psalm 6, and we also read Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34. Matthew 6 is right in the middle of what is called the famous Sermon on the Mount. And in that, Jesus says in verse 30, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? He's in this, this it, it, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew, Jesus is telling us we don't have to worry about those small things, small things like food and clothing. Now, I've never had to worry about food and clothing, but 
I have had to worry, or not had to, I have worried about little things and little troubles in my life that come at me like fiery darts that I am tempted to carry around with me all day and think that God is somehow handcuffed or that he doesn't know or he's not noticing. It's not true. The Lord is attentive. Do you see what I see here? I see this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 30. The Lord is attentive even to our smallest needs. We can rejoice in the Lord like that. That's the call here. We can rejoice in a, in a Lord who cares whether our, our, our bellies are full of food or whether we have sufficient clothing or shelter. He cares. If he cares about those things, he cares about everything about us. So we have a Lord that cares, and we can take joy in a Lord like that. See, how much better is our Lord than even the best of friends? See, a, a really good friend can come to you and say, listen, I'm not going to go anywhere. Nothing's going to stop me from serving you. I'm going to help you as long as I can. Well, the problem with even the best of friends is that the best of friends can still get sick and die or move away or have a circumstance in life change to where their help for you is limited. This is not the way the Lord is. The Lord is unlimited. He cannot die. He is always there for you. He will not leave you. He, it's impossible for him to abandon you. You can rejoice in the Lord because you serve a God like that. No one else and nothing else in your life is as sturdy and strong and sure as your Lord. So one way to find joy is to read your Bible. Ransack the Scriptures. Ransack the Scriptures. Hold it in your lap and say, I will not leave until I recognize or I see something in this page, these pages that jump out at me and give me reason to rejoice in the Lord. Don't leave. Don't leave. Don't put it down. Don't put it down in the morning or at night whenever you pray and read the Bible. Don't let it go until you've got something that you can say, yes, there. I'm reminded I can rejoice in the Lord. That's one way. Another way is keep coming to church. Each week when we gather, one of the purposes of gathering is to remind ourselves all together why we follow Jesus and that he's worth it. Right? We need that weekly reminder. All of us do. We need that weekly reminder. And one of the ways we remind each other is by singing to each other. And so, like Willie said today, oftentimes the songs are prayers, and sometimes they're proclamations. Think about the song we sang, God is for us. Now, if you just remember that title, you've, you're doing great. You face something that's hard and you wonder, what's God's disposition toward me? Is he angry at me? And then you can think, well, wait a minute. On Sunday, we sang God is for us. So that means God is for me. That means he's not angry with me. I can rejoice in a God like that. That line, the Father's love is a strong and mighty fortress. A place that you, that you can't, that no thief can break in and steal your joy. No circumstance can pick the lock to say, ha, huh, you know what? I have something stronger and more sturdy than the love God has for you. Not true. It can't be. Because our love, God, the Father's love for us is like a strong and mighty fortress, a place that we can go that's completely safe 
He will protect us always and forever. God is for you. See, that's what we're reminding. We're reminding ourselves of the fact that we're not faithful. We fall short. We fall down. We face plant in life over and over and over again. And that, ins- that does not turn God against us. No, God shows his grace by continuing to be for us. See, there is no one, there is no one, not even your mom, who is for you all the time. But God is. God is. And you can rejoice in that. See, you can rejoice. That gives strength for each step of this road that we're going to to travel in 2022. We can rejoice in a God who is for us like that. We're called to rejoice in the Lord. The Lord has done so much. Finding what we're called to rejoice in is as simple as opening the Scriptures or singing a song that we sing on Sunday morning or hearing the preaching or praying or talking to somebody that you know who's a Christian and enjoying fellowship like that. We can rejoice in the Lord. That's a tool we can take into 2022, the call to rejoice in the Lord. Now, that's how to rejoice. When do we rejoice? Again, simple. Verse 4 again. Rejoice in the Lord <laughs> always. Always. Rejoice when? Always. Now, that seems unrealistic. That seems hard. What well, is hard, for sure. There's also no, you notice there's no loopholes here. He doesn't say rejoice in the Lord most of the time. Rejoice in the Lord more times than not. Rejoice in the Lord when you feel like it. Rejoice in the Lord here and there. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. A couple things to clear up. We're not talking about some kind of Pollyannaism where an unrealistic, cheery outlook you bring to life and pretend like things that are bad are not bad or things that are painful are not painful. That's not what we're talking about here. We ought not to pretend that, some, that, that pain isn't pain. It is. We're also not taking joy in pain. We're not taking joy in pain. Pain and trouble are, meant, are not meant to elicit joy from us, it should hurt. We are machines. But yet, even in the most catastrophic of circumstances, no matter what we experience, we still have reason to rejoice in the Lord. We still have reason to rejoice in the Lord. We rejoice in the Lord, not in what happens to us, We must go to the Lord for our joy and thereby put our happiness outside the reach of life's randomness and pain. You can't be too happy in the Lord. You cannot be too happy in the Lord. It's not as if Jesus is going to come into the room and say, hey, tone it down. Stop smiling. Wipe that smile off your face. Following Jesus is not a sullen, somber, sad, kind of funeral dirge kind of affair. We're not trying to walk around like zombies to keep ourselves from sin. Rather, we're called to rejoice in the Lord. Even when tragic circumstances befall us and we rightly grieve, 
And there will be times that we should grieve. We must grieve. We never grieve as one who has no hope. We always grieve with one who has hope. Why? Because the Lord is our Savior. And because we do not face the penalty of sin that we deserve. We always have reason to rejoice. Always. Spurgeon thinks about the word rejoice itself by saying, I think this word rejoice is almost a French word. It's not only joy, but it's joy over again. Rejoice. Re, he says, you know, re usually signifies the reduplication of a thing. Reheat, retake, retest. The taking it over again. We are to joy, and then we are to rejoy. Rejoice, rejoice, always and again rejoice. This is not based on our personality. This is not based on whether we're an INTJ or an introvert or an extrovert. This is not based on how you feel. This is based on what God calls us to do. There is always, for those of us who are Christians, for those of us who are in the Lord, there is always reason to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Notice it's a command. We have to be commanded because it doesn't come natural. And it's difficult. Our minds have to be trained to come up with things to rejoice in the Lord about. My mind has to be trained to come up with reasons to rejoice in the Lord. You know what my mind does not have to be trained to do? To remember and dwell on sins people have committed against me in the past? I don't have to train my mind to think about that stuff. Man, I can do that like a champ. I can remember with great detail conversations, where I was standing, when it was, what the weather was like, maybe even what the shirt I was wearing, when someone said something that hurt. And I remember that, and I carry it around. Easy. You know what's hard? Finding reasons to rejoice. That's why, God, that's why Paul says he has to give it as an, in a command. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord, you who are looking at your circumstances. Rejoice in the Lord, you whose hearts are dull. Rejoice in the Lord, you who are going through a season of dryness. Rejoice in the Lord. This takes work and it takes rewiring. If we wait to when we feel like rejoicing in the Lord, we will not be those who rejoice in the Lord. There may be times where we feel so low and things seem so dark and you're in a pit so deep that you can't find a reason to be joyful in the Lord. Even if you crack the Bible and you can't find a reason, call somebody and ask them to help you. That's what Christian friends are for. To be able to say, you can call someone who's a Christian and say, listen, I have no idea. I'm just, I, I'm stuck. Can you help me? Pray for me. Remind me of what we have in Christ. I'm feeling this way. See, we have to rewire our heads. We have to rewire our minds and recognize that this fight to rejoice in the Lord is a daily fight. I'm far better 
at remembering the slights I have received from other people than the blessings I've received from the Lord. And I don't think I'm the only one. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Again, rejoice. Again, rejoice. Paul's like a coach. He played basketball like I did when I was in junior high. The word I hated to hear the most from my coach in practice was the word again. Again. Run suicides. Again. With just malice in his heart. Again. The worst was when he would have a sit up against the wall with no chair. Try it after church. Just pick a wall. Sit there for a minute. Now, it's okay for a minute. We, you know, our coach would say, okay, on the wall. Get on the wall. And then one minute seemed like all of Tuesday, you know, and so we're sitting there, and then we, he says, stop. And then you go, again. We do it again. Again. And again. Again. And again. See, we were tra- he was training us. He was beating us up in practice so that we would do better in the games. And we, as Christians, need to have that kind of training as well when it comes to rejoicing in the Lord. Again. We need to remember those things that we have from the Lord and tell ourselves, again. We have a king who died, yet lives forever, so that we might, who deserve death, live forever. That's reason to rejoice. Again, our every sin, each one of them, has been personally forgiven by God. Again. Though we are weak, we can go to Him anytime for strength. That's reason to rejoice. Again. We are indwelt by the very presence of God. That's reason to rejoice. Again. This Holy Spirit is praying with us. That's reason to rejoice. Again. Our Savior is interceding for us. That's reason to rejoice. Again. God will not punish you because He has already punished His Son. Again, that's reason to rejoice. Jesus will come back and make all things right. That's reason to rejoice. Again, you will see Jesus one day and you will be like Him. Again, that's reason to rejoice. These light and momentary afflictions are real, but one day they will be over. That's reason to rejoice. Again, You see why this is important going into 2022? I don't know what 2022 holds. I could say, hey, this is just a good way for living life. I could say, hey, joy has a way of displacing anger and bitterness. I could say joyful people are hard to offend. I could say joy has a way of pushing out fear and worry. I could say joyful people people are are the kind of people others want to be around. But I want to point your attention to something this year that I think we'll all have to face. I think joy and sanity go hand in hand this year. Joy, we need to be joyful in our disposition as Christians in this cultural moment. Not afraid, not worried. Like you, I can see that our culture is becoming more and more hostile to Christians and Christianity. 
Now, this is the way it typically is in all other countries. Like, if you read history, for most of the 20 centuries of Christianity, the government and the culture has been against the Christians. That's just the way it is, usually. Now, as Americans, it's new, maybe, depending on who you talk to. There was a modicum of respectability that went along with people who believed in Jesus. Now, not so much. Now, people who were once content to say, hey, listen, those of you who believe in Jesus, just stay off on the side and don't embarrass us at Thanksgiving or whatever. Now, they see us as a positive danger. Now, I mention this in relation to joy because... If we put our hopes on the turning of this cultural tide so that life will get easier for us, we will not be joyful people. Or, if we're afraid at the lengths to which our culture could go or may go, we will not be joyful people. Things are going to get harder, not easier. And I don't mean to be a wet blanket. But that's why joy is so important this year. That's why we need to be a people who rejoice. That's why we need to take our eyes off the cultural moment and put our eyes on our unchanging Lord. Our happiness is too precious to entrust any other place. The joy of the Lord. The joy that the Lord gives. The joy that we can have in the Lord is something that will keep us sane in these moments in our country where there is rancor and venom and hatred. We have the opportunity to be different. We have the opportunity to be different. See, as Christians, we can look to the future and smile, not because we know what's going to happen, but because we know who's in control. No matter what happens this year, the tomb will remain empty and the throne will remain occupied. No matter what. And so we have opportunity. In fact, we don't just have opportunity. We have command from God himself to be a people who rejoice in the Lord. Think about this. What if We took this call seriously, and we fought to rejoice, to rejoice in the Lord on a regular basis, to take our eyes even for a few minutes off of the news, off of our feeds, off of our timelines, and focused on the Lord, and fought to take our happiness and entrust it to him and his purposes. We would be different. So many of you are joyful. I'm speaking to myself, like I said at the beginning. I don't think I do this well. But I think one of the things as Christians that to mark us out as different is our joy. If we could see Jesus right now, he'd be smiling. Heaven is a world of joy. May we be men and women and boys and girls 
that face 2022 with the strength and the stabilization and the encouragement that comes as we rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice in the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would give us individually and as a church opportunity to bear witness to you through our joyful disposition. Lord, I'm grateful that you are in control. I'm grateful that nothing happens outside of your command. And I'm grateful that I can ever and always rejoice in you. I pray that we as a church, as, as a body, I pray that Center Church, Lord, would be a place more and more where we fight to rejoice in you. I pray, Lord, that we would take this mindset into 2022 so that we might be a people who fight to look for reasons to rejoice in the Lord, who fight to remember all that You've done. Lord, this, we need Your help. But Lord, we need Your strength to have our minds go in that direction. But Lord, there are so many different examples of, of things that You have done for us. There are so many different promises that You have put into Your Word. There is so much You have done for each of us personally, Lord. And I pray that You would help us to get excited about that work I pray that you would help us to be a people who are captured by what you've done and who you are. And I pray that that would cause us to rejoice. Lord, I just confess my lack of joy, Lord. I confess that there are many times where I'm anxious and I'm worried and I'm troubled. And I muse on those things and dwell on those things. Lord, help me to rejoice. Help me to consciously think about how I can rejoice in the Lord. And I pray the same for all of us, Lord. I know I'm not alone. And so, Lord, I ask that you would give us minds that are fixed on you and hearts that are connected to you and your purposes so that we might rejoice. That we might rejoice today. That we might rejoice tomorrow. And that we might rejoice all year, Lord, no matter what comes. It's in your name, Jesus, that we confess our great need and in which we give thanks and pray. Amen.